Hey everybody, welcome to Golf Origin Stories. Today's guest is Dave McPherson of puttviewbooks.com. But first, everybody get up or get ready to play some steering wheel drums because we got a good one to start the show. Let's go. everybody. My name is Chris McEwen. This is Golf Origin Stories. That is Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. Uh, it was a song that randomly came on. I was probably driving in the car and listening to XRT or something. And it wasn't necessarily the song that uh, I wanted to hear, but it was the song that I needed to hear. Because spring is sprung here in the city. It's warm. It's, a, it's like 70-something degrees outside. It's just... It's a beautiful, beautiful time of year. Uh, Flowers are popping. Trees are blooming. It's all happening, everybody. I've got two shots in my body, uh, the the kind that come from a needle, not from a glass. And uh, I'm feeling good. I have recovered from the vaccination side effects, which were actually pretty mild, thankfully. Uh, But, you know, there's there's some momentum here in life these days. And I hope you're feeling that same momentum as we are returning to some normality, whatever the new normal is going to look like. I hope you're able to participate in it safely uh, with your friends and family and those sorts of things. I mean, we are, my wife is ready to go. Uh, When we hit our two week uh, full vaccination timeline, we are booked solid with friends uh, for the next two months. And uh, so that's exciting. Uh, I've got a very, very exciting golf trip coming up, uh, I think, in early May with the Golf Trip X kids. Uh, we're going to head over to French Lick in Indiana. Uh, Balangie is going to be there. And my golf getaway guys, Darren and Mitch, are going to be there. Uh, it's going to be just a ton of fun. I can't wait. It's been too long since I have traveled and played a very fancy and fun golf course. And there are two there that are just world-class. So it's going to be great. Um, by the way, if you haven't listened to the latest Talking Golf Getaways episode, you should do it. It's with Malcolm Scoville, a uh, brilliant dude. He has started this app called Imagine Golf, and I've been using it since listening to the episode and editing the episode. Uh, but um, it's a way to sort of uh, mentally prepare yourself for not just golf, but for life. And it's really good. And I'm hoping to have him on this show as well, because uh, they, I mean, they talked for like 90 minutes, but there were still more to cover. So I'm excited for that. Maybe sometime down the line. And um, but I've got something planned for May episodes that I will let you know about after my conversation with this week's guest, Dave McPherson. Um, He has started a company. He actually did it during the pandemic. Uh, We talk about that. called puttviewbooks.com, green reading books, uh, yardage books, those sorts of things, which, you know, not a new concept, not a new product. Um, but there are some things that are unique to what, what Dave is doing and uh, mostly around just the availability 
of, of yardage books and, and being able to get them essentially for nearly every golf course. I mean, well, we, we're going to get into that. Okay. But, but before we get into putt view and, and the yardage books and things, uh, Dave and I just kind of hang out for a few minutes and I introduce him to uh, a water <laughs> I've been drinking that I'm very excited about. So, all right, enough of the intro. Um, you know, I, I'm going to skip the call to action stuff. Everybody knows what I'm going to ask them to do. So, you know, if you haven't already, please do it. And, uh, and let's go and have a really, really, really fun conversation with Dave McPherson. Can I, uh, can I sip on my Miller light while we chat? Oh, absolutely. I, okay. I, uh, I would usually, I don't know. Are you a water drinker? I have, no, uh, but you know what? I've seen that in the stores though. Is that good? It's very good. So I am not a good water drinker, um, but I've recently been uh, turned on to the the mineral water world, and uh, so usually I'll, I just ordered a case of um, Gerolsteiner, which is imported, I think, from Germany. I'm going to assume that, but my fallback is Topo Chico because it's it's relatively available, and I just grabbed this twist of lime Ooh. Topo Chico, and it's delightful. It's delicious. Uh, so it's gotten me drinking water because hey. otherwise I would just, uh, I'd move from coffee to bourbon. Well, I, I get made <laughs> so, fun of. I live in the craft beer uh, capital here in North Carolina and I drink Miller Lite. So I don't know, but it's all right. Yep. Yeah. It's all right. It's a good, you know, there's, I enjoy craft beer. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm in Chicago. We have a ton of them. Um, but, uh, you know, you drink sometimes like it's just too much. Yeah. They're, they're just super heavy and, yeah. and there's a ton of alcohol in them. And on, you know, on a Monday night, who needs 8% of alcohol going into their body when right. they can't function? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are you a Cubbies fan? Not to change that, not to get off course here, but. Oh no, I am very much so. Okay. Uh, they're playing Atlanta right now. Um, it's been, it's been a, a roller coaster. I don't know if you were watching or not. Yeah. My, my, so my sons are big both love the Cubs. I'm a Brewers fan of all things. So we have, a, are you like, really? Yes. Yeah. So Dave, uh, this interview is over. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to mention it when I heard you're from Chicago, but um, yeah, but we, yes, we do follow along with the Cubs pretty close. We're, we're big Rizzo fans uh, so around here. How did, wait, where are you? Where are you right now? So I'm in, I'm in Raleigh right now, but um, okay. I have a messed up uh, professional. Like I grew up in Buffalo, New York. So we had the bills obviously. Um, but on the baseball side, we had nothing really. And my aunt lived in Milwaukee and we would go there every summer. I grew up, I was a big Paul Molitor, Robin Yount guy. So um, only because I had no other team. So, and then just by total randomness, my kids without any influence at all, my oldest plays a ton of baseball. He's obsessed with Chris Bryan. And so now I'm in a house with Cubs stuff all over the place as a Brewers (laughs) fan. I suppose I should allow you to be a Brewers fan since you became a fan when they're in the American league. Yes. When they yeah. weren't such a threat, yeah. Uh, and I love the old stadium. That old stadium they had it was it was, a, yeah. it was just County, County Stadium, right? County Stadium. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Great yep. ballpark. That was awesome. Great ballpark. I enjoyed going. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I actually. Um. I would. I. We went to see the Brewers play there, and I want to say we went up for um a Packers game. The Packers played four games of the season there. Yeah. 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 yeah, I never, I've, I haven't been to Lambeau yet. It's on my, it is on my bucket list um, of places to go and see because it's just, you know, historic and cool and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I get to be one of the few, I guess. Uh, I mean, 
no one after sort of our generation will get to see the Packers play probably anywhere, but you know, Lambo and Lambo. So, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Cool. Um, anyways, uh, so was it a WGN thing in Buffalo that the kids were able to watch? No, they're too young to even. Oh yeah. Them. No, no. Just uh, down here in Raleigh, they just do it through MLB network. Um, oh, of course. But right. like my son has been number 17 for Chris Bryan since the first day he ever played a little league game. I mean, he plays a ton of baseball, but he's been 17 his whole life. That's amazing. So funny story. Uh, so my name's Chris, right? Obviously. Yep. With, a K. With a K. I saw that. And I wore 17 my entire life huh. as well. So when Chris Bryant came up onto the Cubs, I was like, 10-year-old me is freaking out right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like it. <laughs> like, the only difference is, you know, he's probably nearly a foot taller than I am. <laughs> but uh, And he obviously can hit a baseball much farther. But yeah, and uh, I, I was a middle infielder, you know, little guy running around second and shortstop. But uh but yeah, it's, uh, he's, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, uh, enjoy a, a player, he's not a bad one to, uh, to have some fun with. And no. he just hit a grand slam tonight. So I'm sure you're, you know, Did your he? kids are. Yeah. See, I missed, yeah. um, yeah, I was actually driving a yardage book to Greensboro of all things. So a guy could have it tomorrow for a tournament. So I'm missed some of that, but they've been going back. I don't know if it happened recently, but I, they had YouTube up the other day with the Rizzo in a rundown with Freddie Freeman <laughs> yelling Frederick at him. Yeah. And my youngest just keeps walking around the house. Frederick, Frederick. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty funny. That yeah. was pretty good. He's a, he's a um, character. But yeah, today uh, it was four, nothing. The Braves were up and Chris Bryant tied it up with a grand slam. Well, very exciting. Happy. I'll be getting those highlights in the morning for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's officially start the show now since we've taken six minutes or so of recording time here to whatever, shoot the shit a little bit. Um, all right. So you, you, is it true that you started a company during the pandemic? Yes. Is that, is that actual, is that factual? Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of always been a, uh, I don't know weirdo that way. I had actually, I, and I've, I've got another company too called Golf Hound that kind of has been going during the pandemic as well. But yeah, I, um, just uh, the entrepreneur in me uh, was able to partner up with a good team of people that had a good idea about how to, to the, I mean, in terms of the, the green and yardage book is not new. It's been around for a long time, sure. but uh, the way that they wanted to do it um uh, on the technical side, which I'm not really all that good at, just seems so good that I said, yeah, let's do it. And it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's actually, it was really nerve wracking in the beginning, but I have to say, um, you know, golf during the pandemic has been all that you read about. So, um, yeah. it, it yeah. actually, you know, it's been, it's been exciting. That's more, actually true. more exciting than nerve wracking, which is surprising to me. That wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So, Really, I feel like though, like the people that have that entrepreneurial sort of thing in them, uh, where most of us would be just, I would be full of anxiety day to day. Uh, I feel like you people uh, kind of, I don't know, you you love that sort of thing, and you call it excitement, or you call it like this. It's like this thrill, um, you know, like a like a a shot of adrenaline every single day 
because you're still building and, and you can see this thing sort of develop and you, and you have such a passion for the idea that failure doesn't really resonate. No, guys, really. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's about just executing on the idea. I mean, there's, um, this definitely won't be the last. It might not even be in golf per se. Sure. It's, it's the thrill of, I think this can work if we did this, this, and this, and then try to execute it. Um, most times it doesn't certain, sometimes it does. So, yeah. um, I like that part for sure. And what we're talking about is the, uh, the putt view yardage books and, and green books. Um, and so what is, give, give me a, just an overview. I mean, like you said, it's not a new concept per se, but, um, availability of said yard, yardage books for, let's say, 30,000 golf courses, right, is sort of a new concept. So, so what is the, what, is, what are the putt view uh, yardage books exactly? Yeah. So the, the books are basically, um, they provide uh, two carry distance and uh, distance lines and things on the yardage side, which would be like your traditional overview of the whole. Mm -hmm. um, with what we find to be pertinent information, basically things to help you kind of understand an overview of the whole that wouldn't involve the rangefinder. So they're, they're designed to pair well with the rangefinder. So how far do okay. I have to the hole? That's the rangefinder's job, but how far is it to that bunker off the tee or what is my landing area with here? Um, that's mm. information that we want you to leverage the book for on the yardage side. And then we also include topography, um, both in the fairways to show you, you know, is, is, is it going to kick to the left? Is it going to kick to the right? And then certainly, um, the green topography, which is used on approach shots to, to kind of understand where the ball might go. And then obviously as well to, to help read putts. Yeah. Um, yeah. The so, width of a fairway, boy, oh boy, is that something that my game is missing? <laughs> I mean, really, I like when you, when you, um, I mean, it, it can dictate, uh, you know, how, how you play a hole. And if you're playing, you know, I know a lot of people will get a, a, a yardage book at their sort of home course or whatever. And they, they know those sort of, sort of things, uh, by playing the course and things, they know their landing areas. But if you're playing, like you're saying, you're going to go deliver a, a book for a tournament that someone's going to use and they're going to get maybe one or two looks at a golf course. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff is, is invaluable to it. I mean, you're basically in the architect's architect's head when you're seeing that, that sort of width on a yard. Yes. Yes. And, and that, you know, uh, ironically enough, I mean, that is our, our customer a lot of times is the competitive golfer sure. who maybe doesn't have, uh, like I was joking, but really did deliver a book for a tournament tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow morning. And obviously that person's not playing a practice round because their tea times, I think they said at seven thirty in the morning. So that book is really their practice round. Um, mm. and their only way of gaining Intel before they get on the course um, which a lot of people use because we, we deliver it right to their house. You know, a lot of people obviously order it ahead of time and that way maybe they don't need a practice round or they, they can focus on other things on their practice round that, you know, they were able to leverage the book to save them some time and prep and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a good point. So I, I know from, you know, for me, um, especially on new courses, even some like I'll play, I probably play, let's say 20 courses in the Chicagoland area every year. Um, but I'll pull up an app, right. And just kind of get an idea of, of what a, 
what each hole looks like or whatever, just to kind of prepare myself, even though I don't know necessarily where the tee boxes will be and that kind of thing. But I can't really put any notes in my, on my phone when I pull it up, but with a book, it's all right there. You could start jotting down notes. Like if it's here, if it's there, this is my landing zone here. Uh, start almost mapping out your round with what clubs you're going to hit and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, um, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and in fact, we, you know, it's funny you say that as well. And in, in Chicago land there, we just recently partnered with the Chicago district golf association. Um, I'm a member. Okay. Member. Did, CD, CDGA. Yeah. Great, a great group. They, uh, we, we, we did some promotion to people that are currently signed up to participate in one of their events this summer, cool. thinking just be good to see what they thought and feedback's been, been great. And that's what you say is what we hear, you know, it's, it's a, it's a real tool for them to, to plan. Um, yeah. because especially at the state golf association level, a lot of those people obviously have jobs and things. And so, um, there's the time that just maybe isn't there. Like it used to be when they were younger or what have you to play a lot of practice from. So yeah, it's a, not just, it's not being used just during, uh, tournament play on the course. It's certainly something that can be used uh, ahead of time as well. Yeah. And don't, don't discount the fact that we love to look like pros. Well, and it's cool to have the cool leather yardage it's book totally holder. True, right. You can customize that thing. So yeah, for sure. It's true. Sure. All right. Now you, you'd mentioned the greens. And so you guys, you guys have, you know, the, it's, it's directional and it's heat. It's a heat map, right? So you can sort of plan out, um, you know, the Muni golfers like myself, uh, the, the weekend warriors, our general rule is to just stay below the hole, right? Stay below the hole the whole time. Um, but in this case, you could actually see exactly where you kind of want to, you know, you can see the spots on the green where it's going to roll off or going to go, you know, um, away from the pin and that kind of stuff, right? That's right. Yep. So we have uh, the, the, the green map side shows contour lines, and then it also has directional arrows. And then those arrows have colors to show the severity of the direction that the arrow is going, essentially. So you kind of this, you know, really the hardest part is orientating or orient, you know, finding where you are on the green relative to where your ball is. And then sure. from there, it's really just kind of following the arrows pretty much. Um, so, which is why people like it. We do have, so we list, um, in addition to that, we do list the, um, the slope percents, the values themselves. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, and so like aim point users, they find that to be very valuable because they sure. can skip a couple of steps that they typically go to go through. So, there's other ways, you know, people like everything else, people have different ways that they're going to use it. But for the most part, what you, you know, it, it's, you know, find where you are on the green and then follow the arrows. <laughs> I think it's really, I just kind of think about, uh, even if you like, even if you had one yardage book, um, you know, a putt few yardage book for the course that you play over and over and over again, like think about after a season, all the marks and you could almost go back and relive a full season just by like your notes. And I mean, plus you would know, like we always know, like when you play a course consistently enough where the pins are going to be, you know, day to day practically. Right. Uh, especially on the weekend, you start to get the rhythm of what the superintendent had in mind or whatever. And you can just start to, I mean, literally just map out the whole thing right there and always have it. It's, yes. it's pretty great. Yes. Yeah. Um, and w with the college team, we work with, I don't know, 50, 100 college teams. 
um, Power Five, Group of Five, across the board. But that's another way they use the book is before they get to the event, they can kind of look at the slopes on the greens and say, I bet you they're going to put a pin here. I bet oh, you they're yeah. going to put a location here. So um, along those same lines, yeah, exactly. Um, yes. And, and there's a lot of events that use that book to help even the tournament staff determine, you know, where is a fair whole location today. Sure. So for, for sure. Absolutely. I hadn't even thought about that. Like, yeah, you can look at that green mapping and find the flat spots and be like, odds are. Right. You know, that's where it's going to be. Um, yes. And it, it is amazing. I mean, you, you start, we've built, I don't know, 4,000 courses so far. We can build them for 30,000, but we've actually built, you know, um, and during that time, it's interesting. You can see just, how many golf courses, how very little area there is to actually put a whole location. Right. And then you start thinking about superintendents and how hard their job is to say, okay, I have this 35 yard depth green, but really my only, I'm really just cutting the grass on most of it. And yeah. you know, uh, so yeah. yeah, pretty crazy. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, you had mentioned you have, you have kind of 4,000 in hand, but you can do far more than that. So can I send in a request for a golf course? Is that how um, that works? Can. So how we typically, you... we have a, um, you can, when you, when you come to the site, you can actually search. We have a, a okay. the entire golf course database is available. Okay. Um, so in most cases, it's already there. It may not be, if it's, it may not be quote unquote in stock, but it can be built. So if it's not built yet, you need a couple of weeks lead time just to have, we have a team of, former division college coaches that actually, you know, select all these distance lines. I mean, it's, they're getting help from technology, but there is a human element to it. Um, so that there's a real person, you know, building each hole. Oh, yeah. um, and about a couple of weeks later, you can get the book. Now, if the teams already built the book, then obviously you can get it even quicker than that. Um, and so we have greens for, I don't know, 9,000 courses in the U S and then we can oh. do the yardage uh, piece for any course in the world. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's talk, dude, can you talk to how these books are like, how do you get this stuff on paper as far as, I mean, do you have to, I would assume you have to have someone on the ground, right. To figure out the slopes and things of the greens. Um, so you used to, things have evolved, um, where that data is being collected via other sources from the air, but think, think, uh, satellite, but much, much more accurate than that. <laughs> um, so, but the, the nice part about it is allows you to get a lot of courses at, at one time. So, um, and then the real key is, is just taking, taking the information. And then certainly on the topography side, that's the, just the, te the technology side of then taking that information and putting it on paper. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, the yardage side is much more the human element of, okay, I'm looking at this extremely accurate, up-to-date, you know, imagery of the course, and where, where, where should I mark the, you know, the hazard to hazard with for in landing zones? Where do people really need to know that this, you know, this bunker is seventy-five yards off the tee? You know, we, you know, where, where should I be showing the golfer the kind of information that's going to best help help them plan and or play with with the book? Um, with things like the rangefinder and some other tools that we know they have at their disposal kind of in mind so that the whole thing works seamlessly together. Got it. Does it, uh, 
does it include like you said it included sort of the <clears throat> the topography, you know, the way the ground flows. Is it elevation as well at all? Um, yes. So there, there is elevation change, um, both Jeez. off the tee and then, you know, coming backwards so that you get it to the green on your approach. Shot. Wow. Yeah. So, which is nice because the range finder in tournament play, that's not allowed that piece. Right. Um, right. so, um, it, it is helpful and, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty much from start to finish the entire hole. You get that information as well. Yep. That's pretty fascinating. Uh, what has been as you've, when did this endeavor begin? Was it actually like in 2020 or is this yeah, something that it began? Was in uh, July timeframe, June, July. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty quick uh, startup there. Yes. That's yes. crazy. Well, you know, so like I said, we have a good team. We had, we worked with uh, Phil Kenyon, who's a big instructor. He, he works with a bunch of guys on tour um, and then the putt view team that they do, you know, beyond the books, they do the, the augmented reality goggles and lights. So right. uh, the, the, the tech side, they're just, I mean, the team is so big and so talented that it, it was help. That was obviously extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's just been kind of, you know, what I enjoy about it is I've been. Uh, in golf a long time, but always on the marketing side. So just, you know, creating relationships with the, the customers um, and, and just trying to show the value. So it's, it, uh, everybody just kind of, we had, we had the right people in all the roles. So it kind of all just came together that, you know, everything was plugged, all the holes were plugged. So we were able to move pretty quick. That's pretty nice. Has there been, yeah. um, has there been any like, light bulbs or surprises or, or changes in direction or anything like that along the way where it's like, Oh, we can, we can also do this or, you know, some, some maybe demand was a little different than what you thought it would be. Yeah. Um, so demand has been great. I think we've, we've, um, uh, I wouldn't say that we've pivoted on anything yet, but I, we've got a couple of ideas that have come to us, you know, the more you get to talk with the consumer and things about other things we can do. Yeah. Um, so nothing, nothing really, I'd like to, I'd love to say there's like this groundbreaking thing that happened. Cause that's the cool thing that entrepreneurs say, <laughs> but I don't really have that yet on right. this project, right. but I do, I think down the line, yeah, it's going to be, um, that there's going to be some other ways we can expand beyond just, you know, the, the product offering that we have now, which would be, would be really cool. Yeah. Um, we'll be, we'll, are you hoping to like move into like, uh, like greengrass partnerships and things like that, maybe as you kind of partner with actual golf courses, because they, I mean, why wouldn't they source that out? They can't do it. No. Yeah. So we do. Yeah, we do that now. Um, okay. where, so courses will distribute, uh, their course, especially ones that host a lot of tournaments. Sure. It's a, it's a no brainer for them. Yeah. Um, so yes, we, we've, we've got some, some, some really good partnerships and that's been growing quickly as, as well, which has been nice. Um, because we, our turnaround times are quick and we have a little minimum stuff that, you know, makes sense on the, the golf course business side as well. So we try to cater to them as best as we can, because it's a, it's obviously another way for us to get our brand out there. Um, and you know, somebody sees the book and buys it for a tournament that maybe had never heard of us. And then they end up finding out, well, I can get them for all my tournaments. So it's a, it's, it's a good partnership. Yeah. It's, sure. it's, it's kind of a fun, just in general. And I, I will say, um, 
and I love my technology. Don't get me wrong. I, I will play music on the golf course. Um, and, and I'll have my phone, you know, for picture taking or whatever, um, scorekeeping sometimes, whatever it is, but there's something about going analog with, and I love records. Like I have a record player and things like that. So there's something about like unplugging and playing the game that way, like using a yardage book, kind of figuring out the math on your own. Um, and it's, it is, it, it feels like it's a different experience on a golf course that you may have uh, familiarity with, but it's still, it's still different. And it feels like, I don't know, I, I don't want to, I'm not one of those like play the game the right way guys, but like, it kind of feels like you're doing it the right way. Like what the way it was intended to be. Right. Even though it's that, I mean, let's, let's be honest, it's technology that's printed on a book, right? Like this has been provided by technology, but it still feels like, um, a little more maybe throwback or, or just, I don't know the way my grandfather played golf, right? He didn't have all these gadgets and things. And there's something to that for, for a lot of people. For sure. I, you know, like I said, yardage books have been being made forever. All we've done is help facilitate the process for the golfer. So they don't have to waste their time with outlines of holes and things. (laughs) And they can really just focus on, and you mentioned this earlier, but it's, and it's the truth the real genius of what's inside there are the notes that they write to themselves, whether those are purely just self-confidence encouragement notes. um, It's not all just data notes, but you know, all we've done is say, you know, for years, people would just go out and say that is a par four and I'm going to draw it. And there's the bunker on the left. I mean, it's, there's no secrets there. Um, We're, we've just handed them even right down to be honest to the topography. I mean, on tour, people have been, you know, arrows on greens is is also not necessarily a brand new concept, sure. but the idea that we can hand them that ready to go allows them to stay focused more on the personal touches that matter most to them. And they don't have to worry about the nuances of drawing the things that are kind of the commodity, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it helps them more quickly get to what matters most, which is their notes. Yep, for sure. And um, just a, one last piece on the on the books. I'd mentioned like you know we love to we love to pull out our yardage books right and look at them and everything. It's also we golfers I feel like um, love to collect stuff, and so it I could just see having just a bookshelf basically of your own yardage book library. I mean it'd be so great. I have like three. Because those are only the the only courses that I've ever been to that actually had them. And of course I bought them because why wouldn't I? And uh, yeah, so just the idea that, you know, all of these golf courses in the Chicago area that I go to, I could just, you know, be part of my pregame ritual, you know, the night before is like, all right, let's, let's pull out the yardage book, get it ready to go. And, uh, and just have my nice little collection there. No, I, um, I agree. I'm, and that, that is, that for sure happens. <laughs> but, uh, you, you, yes, you're, you're spot on there. Um, especially for, you know, we, you know, to the point where you get to start to know the names, this is in a, this is a D to C web world. And, you know, you start to, it, I, you know, I wouldn't call it relationship, but you start to know the people that come back and, you know, you know, for sure, sure. that they've got themselves a pretty good, pretty good box of books. Right. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Now, what is, you mentioned another company that you have, uh, is it Golf Hound you'd said? I, I'm not, what is this? Yeah. What is this golf? What is this uh, golf company? Yeah. So Golf Hound's a little older, but it's a, Golf Hound's more of a 
love than a business here recently, but um, <laughs> the, it is, it's a, it started, I started it, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, and it basically trying to curate the best in golf across what originally was just digital content, written content. Mm-hmm. So I send out a daily newsletter. I've been doing it for literally four or five years. I read Monday through Friday called Top Three Reads. Okay. And uh, a partner and I, we, we scrounge the web for interesting articles, stuff, you know, this is no, no knock on, uh, we, we, we have articles from digest and golf.com and stuff, but we try to stay away from what maybe you could just find without very little, little effort. Sure. Uh, to come with three interesting articles every day. Uh, we, and it's, it's grown organically over the year. It's, it goes to 30,000 golfers every Monday through Friday. <laughs> really? Jeez, yeah. Um, and then we've been doing some other stuff now with, I don't know if you've ever been into a bar with, has the Chive TV sure. running. Yep. Um, so we're, we've started with a couple of, I, my, I went to school for PGM at Coastal Carolina and Myrtle Beach and worked there for a long time. So a couple of my friends at resorts there are going to uh, get my streaming TV channel, Golf Hound TV, which is essentially Chive TV, but just golf related content. So again, along the curation theme. Uh, and so we'll be streaming in some clubhouses. Uh, we started it right before the pandemic started and then that ended up quickly becoming a bad idea because <laughs> nobody was in the clubhouse, but, um, I'm starting to feel good about that again. So we're, uh, yeah. And then, uh, when we're going to keep going down the line and just trying to continue to curate the best of X in golf, uh, whatever that next That's awesome. medium might be, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, it's, it's fun. You sounded like a fun. true entrepreneur where you said it's more of just a love than a business right now. Like <laughs> spoken like a true entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's, um, I, I do. And that one, I really enjoy. I always have enjoyed doing it. Um, it's just, it's fun to get, it's fun to get the articles. It's fun to kind of see like what interests people in golf, you know, what's going on, things that you think for sure. Oh, people will, love this you know and maybe it doesn't get the best you know response yeah. but then other stuff like oh that was awesome and just to try to follow along to see like back anytime anything patrick reed happens for whatever reason everybody clicks right. um and it's you could try to you know you would try to just inundate people to say well that certainly there's a stopping point for this but no there isn't that's yeah. just uh you know so anyhow but uh, that kind of stuff's been really fun with it yeah the world loves a heel man they just they they can't, really get, can't get enough of it. It's, it. They really, yeah. It's, um, yeah, you know, um, yeah. So yeah, that, uh, that's, that's another, uh, another project. So you, um, I have too many. You're, <laughs> you're clearly obsessed with golf. I think we've made that. I think we've established that for the most part. Yep. Uh, when did this occur? When did the obsession begin? Um, well, I mean, literally I've been in golf since I was, I don't know. I started caddying at my local country club when I was 12 or 13. Really? Um, yeah. And caddied so much. I paid for my first car with nothing more than my caddy fees from the same member at, at a golf club saving up uh, over the years. So one member basically bought you your first car. Bought my first car. Yeah. I got a little help from my grandfather and then the, and um, he actually, I still have it. He, um, it was a Bob Rotella book that he bought for me when I graduated from high school. I was still caddying for him at that point. 
and it, he had mentioned even in there his little note to me about how he basically owns owns my car. So, um, <laughs> what car was it? What but, kind uh, of car did you buy? What year? Was, What's the <laughs> model? You know what? Oh, you know what? I don't know the year. It was new when I got it. Um, you bought a brand new a car Ford with caddy Escort. tips. You bought a brand yeah, new car. Yeah. A Ford Escort, and I had a spoiler. <laughs> and I really, at the time, thought, I mean, I hate saying that now out loud. It was not good. But I was excited about it at the time. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I can yeah. imagine. I mean, you're a, you know, what, you, what were you, I'm guessing it's some 18-year-old or something, 17-year-old buying your first car, brand new. Yeah. The, a shiny Ford Escort with a spoiler is super dope, man. Don't be don't be embarrassed yeah. by that. That is so cool. Paid cash, paid cash for it. Come on, that's yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I I did. I carried two bags at least three days a week. Wow, sometimes four. And then even when I came back to that same course, I went to Coastal for PGM to be a PGA professional. I interned at that same club my first year of college. And I still ended up caddying for that same <laughs> member on the weekends. They let me, they gave me the mornings off so I could caddy. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. That was so wait, was, yeah. The caddy gig, then, um, was the caddy gig like just a job to have or were you already into golf and then decided to become a caddy? I was, um, hmm. I was into golf. I was much more into baseball okay. um, at that point. And the, it was probably more of a job. But I, the, the interactions, so for me, I do, I do love golf. I actually, uh, and people think I'm crazy. I love the business of golf more. Um, really? That's awesome. That's good I to hear. I, I feel like a lot of people, sometimes the business of golf burns them out, you know? Y yeah. So in that, like, even when I was at Coastal, most of the people in my class, they they were there because in my opinion, they were a little confused. They loved playing golf and wanted to be good at golf. I always viewed what I was doing as more of, no, I'm just preparing myself to work in the business of golf. Not to say that I don't like to play, but I, I never had the aspirations to be really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was always more upset that I wasn't as good as I wanted to be at baseball. <laughs> I think I went, I tried to walk on coastal Carolina's baseball team. Did you really? And I, I went out there one day with uh, a guy in the dorms and he, I mean, it, it took me all of about 15 seconds to realize that, you know, if I was good, they would have found me. Right. I didn't have to come out here and prove it to myself today. Like they, I should have just trusted now, everyone else. Are you under the thing, impression? But, Cause that's funny because I tried to walk onto the university of Illinois baseball team. Um, but I was under a much bigger delusion. I was much more delusional than you were because I, I was fully convinced that it was, that I was going to make that team fully convinced. And it, of course I didn't make that team. I wasn't even near, I wasn't even close to being good enough to be on that baseball team, but I was a pretty good high school player. Were you, were you a good high school player with, with, kind of, yeah. okay. So you, yeah. So you had yeah. some kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I, I played Legion ball, yeah. up, which was a thing up in New sure. York. And yeah, yeah. We, I, yeah, we had Legion out here in the Midwest too. Um, yeah, I play, you know, I was moved up, you know, when I was younger into the, you know, what the whole thing, but, uh, but yeah. Okay. Anyways, let's get back to, <laughs> let's get back to golf. <laughs> You're caddying. You've just, and you have, you have now at, at what point while caddying, um, maybe it was early on where you like, when did you decide like, this is, I'm going to go to coastal. I'm going to, to pursue some sort of career in this game and figure it out. Um, 
I would say it was about, it was like junior year of high school. Okay. We used to, my family used to vacation in Myrtle Beach, which is where Coastal's located. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a course there, uh, literally almost right on the campus. So, you know, over the years, I had been familiar with the campus because I had been, you know, we would go on vacation, play a couple rounds. So I knew it was there. And then when I found out they had golf management, uh, and it really, at that point, was just launching. I had looked there, and there was another school, Ferris State in, in Michigan. Yeah, sure. Uh, which was like they were kind of the godfather of PGM programs. Um, And so when I went there and I said, wow, I mean, this is the weather is awesome and um, I can go to school here. That was that was it. And I really went in with the full intention of wanting to be a PGA professional. I was going to the club that I had worked at growing up was kind of your traditional shop was owned by the pro, Mm -hmm. which I know doesn't one of the reasons I kind of started to lose interest, but in that particular way, but I love the idea that I work for a guy that essentially was an entrepreneur, small business owner. He just happened to own a golf shop. Right. Um, And that always, and I was surrounded obviously caddying by a whole lot of other people that kind of fit the same. They weren't in the golf side, but they were obviously small business owners, a lot of them and stuff. So I was intrigued by that and said, if I can be in business and be in golf, a sport that I'm comfortable with, um, and it's a niche and it helps that I already know, you know, there's so many people outside of golf that it takes them years yeah. just sometimes to kind of figure out the nuances of just words and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> right. anyway, um, that was, that was about when I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then it was a little bit longer in at coastal. I decided that I wanted to be in golf, but not necessarily be a professional at a club. Okay. Now were you. Were you a, a self-taught player or did you have someone that kind of showed you the ropes from a, a playing perspective? On the playing side, yeah, I had a, um, I had a, uh, a teacher. Okay. Yeah. I always wonder like yep. for the, for the people when you, you, cause I, I wanted to be a, a baseball coach, you know, when I realized I wasn't be able to play baseball. Um, but I was really inspired by my own kind of just like my coaches really influenced me. Um, to want to be like them. Right. So I was, I didn't, wasn't sure if like the idea of uh, being a, a, you know, a professional or a teacher was inspired by anyone along the way as well. Or was it just simply, I I can be an independent sort of, you know, businessman on my own and do this kind of thing. Yeah. um, Certainly the, the, so the, the, the person I took lessons from, that was at a different course than the one that I worked okay. at. Uh, and then the, the GM at that club, he was, he had a very small ownership in the, in the course. Again, I was intrigued by the whole small He and he worked his butt off, but he was part owner. Yeah. And he used to let me, I, I would pick the range with this old Ford tractor and I could hit as many balls as I wanted, as long as the range was picked. Right. Um, but him allowing me to do that. And then, and so I was out there a lot of nights late and he would still be out there. He lived on site at the course, which was another unique thing. But just in terms of the inspiration, I think it was, I, I was always gravitating towards the golf professionals that I saw them more as the business owner operator than I ever did. um, Maybe the traditional PGA of America type field. And that's not to say I have a problem with that. I just, I always was like the, you know, they have all these carts and they got to pay lease. And, and, you know, um, if we would forget to, to charge Miss Jones for a nine hole cart rental, you know, that was something we would get 
in trouble right. for. And to hear our pro say, you try paying the lease, you know, right. on these things. He was paying the lease out of his own pocket. So just to, to get all of the stuff that goes on and the, and the small business, it, I mean, it really, I think the pro is, especially the ones that run their own shop and things, yeah. they, it is really, they underestimate. Those people are really running a business. It's a lot it's, of work and a risk. It's totally true. Yeah. And it's, it's such a unique, um, like your perspective is so unique to me. I, I hadn't really considered that, but you're, you're, I, I think about my buddy who, who runs a golf course, um, you know, he, locally here. And it's not just like running a business, but it's running a business where you get whatever, a hundred customers a day. Maybe some of them are repeats. Some of them are new. You all, you're also managing projects, like major projects. You're also managing these, you know, outings, which are a whole nother, th- like it's not even, you know, it's, beyond just running your typical business, I feel like. But it's it's interesting for you to put it that way where um, like you took these two worlds, it sounds like, that you really, really loved and you just kind of made them fit and said, you know, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. And you were 17 years old when you decided to do it. It's pretty great. Y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, um, for sure. For sure. It's, um, yeah, it's always and it's always been that way. I mean, I, like I said earlier, there's a few times here where I'm like, oh, I could do this, and it's not golf related. It would be more on the business side related. Yeah. But I certainly feel comfortable. I've always felt comfortable in the game and the kind of people that work in the industry have always seemingly, you know, I could relate. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. I've always been impressed um, since I started this sort of kind of thing uh, with sort of the the behind the scenes folks of the, the golf industry, whether it be business owners or, I mean, CEOs or your golf pro or whatever. I feel like everyone's, for the most part, I would say 90 95% of them are appreciative and they're happy with what they're doing. Um, they, like you, they understood the workload going into it. You know what I mean? And they're, and they, they kind of, uh, they have this sense of, of contribution, like they're really, truly contributing, contributing to someone's happiness in life and, you know, to their hobby or making someone better or they're providing them, you know, yardage books, whatever it may be. They're, you know, they're, they're doing something that they can see kind of tangibly um, on people, you know, as they, as they go and play this crazy game that everybody, you know, we all love really. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Agreed. Um, okay. So you're in, you, you fall in love with the game. Uh, did you, did you have family members that played or anything? Like how did you actually first get introduced to it? Um, uh, my dad, okay. he introduced okay. me. Um, and the thing I'll never forget, cause it's the first thing I've done with my kids is he taught me the etiquette side, like not like super, not the super crazy etiquette, but small stuff yeah. like this is where you leave your bag before you go that yeah. kind of stuff. And I'll never forget it. Cause it, I think for me, it was part of what made me feel comfortable being out there. Um, not too long ago, I got into, I was, well, I thought I was getting into biking, but I went to a bike shop to buy a bike and the guys asked me all these questions. I have no idea what he's talking about. He's frustrated that I don't know how, what, what, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And it, so it wasn't a good start, so to speak. And that's where I think a lot about like part of the reason I even got into it is because I was helped by my dad to get in and it was just, I, it was made comfortable to do it, which made me want to, you know, not be afraid to go back out there to the point where, you know, I was out there without him plenty of times with just my friends yeah. and 
you know, we never, we had a tea time just like everybody else didn't bother anybody. didn't get anybody's way, but it, you know, that all kind of evolved. So yeah, it was definitely my dad that got. Yeah. And that's a real thing. I mean, there, there's, I feel like there's two great common fears amongst like new golfers. And that is, I don't want to do anything that will offend someone. You know, like when you, when you, I remember teaching my kids, like you can't walk across where I'm going to putt. You can't do that. And I mean, that would, that would never occur to a normal human. You know what I mean? Like it just wouldn't do it unless you told them. Um, and I've told this story before on this show, uh, when I was first learning, I wasn't aware that you couldn't take practice swings in a bunker until, so I'm in a bunker and I'm just going at <laughs> the practice swings into this bunker until my dad was probably like, Hey, dummy, you can't do that. But like, I didn't know, but yeah, you're, but so if, yeah, removing that sort of barrier and saying, look, everyone's going to, especially once you start playing with strangers and you see everyone is not good at this game. Like you're going to come across 1% of people where you're like, Oh my God, that, you know, these guys, are, this guy's crazy good, but otherwise everyone is not good. Okay. So if you know kind of the etiquette of it, I totally get it. Then just go out and learn the game and you can focus on that part kind of it. So good on your dad. It's a good yep. way to, to start kids out. Yeah. Well, then you don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about that part, which I actually think when you play with people that are like fairly new, a lot of their energy and emotion is consumed in, are they going to do like what you're saying? Have I done something it's wrong? Totally true. As opposed to just, you, and then you miss out on kind of, to me, what like my dad plays purely now just to hang out with his buddies and have fun kind of sure. thing. So, but you can't do that if you're not comfortable in, in the other stuff. Yeah, it's so. true. In my opinion. Do you remember uh, exactly why you fell in love with it? I mean, you're already playing baseball and it was clear that you loved baseball. What grabbed you about golf specifically? Um, I, I can tell you why. So um, I competitively, I realized that with baseball, the coach, has a little bit of control, whether you agree with the coach or not, as to where maybe you should be heading and in, in where your sure. path is. Where with golf, um, what started as fun, I just gravitated towards the idea too that competitively, because I tried obviously I played a little bit competitively, that it, I could control my own destiny, and that was something before taking on golf that never I had never been a part of a sport that that was was an yeah. option. Um, and so I even say it now when I see my son who, you know, well, I don't like what that coach says. Yeah, he should just play golf. <laughs> that way you post the number. It is, what it is. Right. We don't have to deal with the rest of the stuff. But, um, yeah, that's to be, that's why I originally got in. It's just um, competitively because at the time I was just a being a competitive person. I was like, oh, I can control my own destiny a little more here. The more work I put in, I'm going to get more out. I, I was probably a little confused on that side of things that people that, no golf and play it all the time. It's not exactly that yeah, quick. Right. Um, but uh, that's, 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 that's kind of how um, I got into isn't it, it. Isn't it funny? Uh, um, <clears throat> like, I feel like, I don't know if you've warned your, your sons, like eventually, it, I mean, they're playing golf now, I assume you've already got them hooked yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, like that's good because nobody warned me that that was going to be sort of the timeline Otherwise, I would have started playing golf much earlier in life had I known that eventually, I mean, I hung on, I don't know how long you hung on to the, not necessarily the baseball dream, but just the base, the playing the game. Um, I hung on to it for far too long. 
And the only reason I really picked it up, picked up golf is because I had finally come to terms with sunsetting my baseball career. Right. And so, I mean, and then I had a whole new kind of experience. I mean, I, it's great. I love it. But had I known, had someone said like, Hey, eventually you're just going to play a ton of golf. So just start now and, and do both. And then it'll be an easy transition. It would have been so nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really. Cause, and you know, yes is the answer. And what all I'm going to, I don't try to, I'm going to be careful with the kids on like, not, I played it. I got way too competitive too fast. Mm-hmm. I went from just enjoying something. And then, so, cause the idea that the golf as a hobby is like one of the most underrated things. If you can kind of just knock it around and kind of keep it in play. Mm-hmm. I joke all the time. One of the reasons I w- will say, I don't feel like playing is I don't talk to anybody lately. Cause I've been in the woods. Like, you know, I'm in the woods every I'm all over the place <laughs> these days. So I'm like, Oh, hey, I didn't even know I was playing. With right, there. Right. But, um, but if you can kind of knock it around decent, I mean, you know, these courses are some of these are built on beautiful pieces yeah. of land and you can just take all this stuff in it's um it's it's really a you can do it forever it's um there, there's so much good about it that way and if you can start early to just even if you don't ever want to be amazing at it just to be able to hit it around and kind of just play good enough that you can then like to me if you get can get the etiquette down and then play pretty decent then that's where I think those people get the most enjoyment out of it because they're not worried about all this other stuff. They literally are just taking in the day or the week or whatever. It, it might it's be. true. And, and um, I mean, com- comparing that to um, like playing baseball, for example, you don't. So I played second base, right? I'm not interacting with anyone for the most part. Like I might be yelling over at the shortstop or something or, you know, exchanging you know, uh, glances with the pitcher to let him know that, you know, he's coming to me or whatever. Um, but otherwise you're kind of on an Island there, even though it's a team sport. Right. And then like, I think one of the things I do certainly love about golf is, and I've said this before, I've had some of the best conversations with people I've known for 20 years, uh, people I've met that day on a golf course, just walking with them or sharing a golf cart with them. Um, and just kind of being able to, yeah, you're outdoors, it's, it's, you're learning about someone else. You're, you're rooting for them to succeed. You know, I'm not trying to, I'm not hoping someone strikes out or, you know, whatever. You just kind of like hang out. It's totally true. It's, it's but at the same time, you can still kind of uh, scratch that competitive itch within your own sort of, you know, body. And it's just kind of perfect. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, I, uh, yeah. I agree. So when your when your kids tell their golf origin story, what is that going to sound like? Was a dad just kind of took Ooh. us out, or a dad put a, cl- a club in my hand, or is it going to be like such a natural thing they'll have no idea what had actually happened? You know what they're going to say? They would say, "Dad didn't take us to the big course fast." Really? So that'll <laughs> be yeah, because I was big on the driving range. Let's just go to the driving range, Dad. I want to go play. All right, we'll go to the par three and play. Uh, Dad, I don't want to play the park. <laughs> I want to go to the big course. When are we going to the big course? So um, that, but um, I hope that they, from all that, that they, you know, I just, you know, it's, they haven't taken any lessons. Their swing thought is one on the way back, two on the yeah. way down. You know, we try to keep it, just, just hit it and have fun. Um, so I hope, you know, they, I actually think they haven't been forced into it all, which is great. They just like going out there and, and doing yeah. it. 
Um, and then they'll remember that they were ready for the big course when they were four years old. They were ready. <laughs> right. It must be nice. I Sometimes I still don't feel like I'm ready for the big course. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> no, I, I told them all the time. I get the most enjoyment out of playing the par three. It's the only time I feel like maybe I could, I still have a right, little something. That's right. <laughs> all right. If everything was just like a knockdown wedge, it would be <laughs> an easy game. That's right. All right, man. I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Uh, all right. So tell me where you can find, well, first, where you can subscribe to your newsletter. Is it golfhound.com? Golf-hound. Golf-hound.com. Okay, golf we'll put this stuff in our in the show notes and all that kind of stuff too. And then where can we go and peruse all of the yardage books? Puttviewbooks.com. P-U-T-T-V-I-E-W books.com. Right. Cool. I'm going to, and do you guys do like, uh, like tournaments and like, like not tournaments, you do tournaments, but if I host an outing, say, can I reach out and be like, Hey, can you get me 30 books for this course in some kind of lead time? Absolutely. Yeah, we do it for those. We do it for like guys trips or, or just yeah, trips in general. Perfect. Um, oh, yeah. So absolutely. We'll be, yeah. You're about to become my best friend, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and we do it for Miller Lite. We don't even need money. So. <laughs> we'll edit that part out. I will I will pay Miller Lite. Yeah, Everyone edit that else out, pays that that was, yeah. cash. All right. <laughs> That's right. Only, I was only speaking to myself. The other people on the team were not going See, to agree with you that. You forgot. At all. You just thought we were hanging out. You forgot that I actually hit record a long time ago. <laughs> I did. I did forget. So that one. Uh, that one's on me for sure. All right, sir. Thank you so much. This is a, this is a blast. Thanks, man. So that's Dave McPherson. You can find everything that we talked about in the show notes: golfhound.com, uh, Puttview Books. Dot com And uh, you can go and check all that great stuff out. This is such a just listening myself to this episode as I went through and, and did, you know, light editing. I mostly left the whole conversation in there, quite honestly. But um, this is a good example of like, I didn't know Dave when we started this conversation. And he's just a blast, man. He's just he's a good dude. Doesn't take himself too seriously. You know, he's he's appreciative. You know, I talk about a lot of the people, these people that that work in the golf industry and, and, and how much they seem to understand and appreciate where they are and, and, and they enjoy the, the hours and hours of endless work. And, uh, and Dave absolutely fits that mold. Just a great, it's just a fun hang, man. And I hope, I hope everyone else enjoyed it too. I, I really, um, I had a good time with Dave, uh, and it showed, right? Like, I think he legitimately forgot that we were recording a podcast, which is kind of, you know, to me as a podcast host, that's the, that's the goal is to get people comfortable enough to just kind of hang out and, and talk about golf and life and experiences and their kids and baseball and whatever else. And Tapu Chico, you know, splash of lime mineral water, which is legitimately so good. Uh, Anyways, that's uh, that's a show. I should I should I just want to reiterate. I want to I want to stress the fact that you can't buy putt view yardage books with Miller Lite. Okay, you can't. Do not reach out to Dave McPherson and ask him how many cases of Miller Lite it will cost for a yardage book. Don't do that. All right, please. <laughs> We don't want to get the man in trouble, but it was funny that he actually 
said that. I appreciate it. I had to leave it in. Dave, if you're still listening, I'm sorry. It was too funny to leave, to, to edit out. It was too good to, to edit out. Um, all right. Now that is the actual show. I talked about what's coming up next month in May. I've been admittedly, you know, this, this tends to happen with, with podcasts, you know, um, it's mildly successful. And so brands reach out and they want to be part of this show. And so I've been a little brand heavy. I've had, you know, people from inside the golf industry, uh, a lot on the show over the past month or two. Um, but now in May, I want to return to my roots. And that is simply having some pals on the show. And so my pals in May, it's going to be kind of a, a Twitter follower slash uh, griever cup appreciation month. So, you know, a guy, a guy or two that I've met, you know, through Griever Cup, uh, some folks that I've just enjoyed their Twitter relationship with. Um, we're going to have them on the show, and so it's going to be some people that you, as my as my Twitter followers as well, will know because we're all kind of in that same little community. And I thought it would just be fun to to just go back to the very early days of the show when I couldn't really get, you know. I guess would you want to call big name guests or or industry guests or things like that because I didn't have a show it wasn't very proven people weren't going to just going to throw you know an hour of their time at me and so I had to start with the people that I already had relationships with and that were willing to come on and kind of be my guinea pigs and things like that and those were my friends those were the the people that I have relationships with through Twitter and so we're going back going back to the roots of the show we're going to have some really fun guys um, join us. And uh, and the shows will probably feel a little different because it's going to be a more laid back kind of thing where uh, these are just kind of my pals. And so um, you'll get to hear their voice. Maybe you you follow them as well. You have you know a Twitter friendship with them through Golf Chat, um, through Griever Cup, whatever it may be, through our little weird golf Twitter community. Um, and you'll get to hear their voice and get to learn a little more about them, hopefully. And we'll have some fun. So that will be all of May that I will be bringing that to, to the show. And I can't wait. It's going to be a great time. Really looking forward to it. Um, so otherwise, do the stuff. Do the things. Uh, you know, subscribe to the, to the podcast. Uh, rate it. Leave a nice little review. And maybe I'll read yours uh, on the show the next time I read a review, um, which would be fun. Um Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris McEwen. Check out the YouTube channel uh, at Chris McEwen where I'm doing weekly shows. And we're doing, at this point, we're doing almost, I think we're doing three videos a week. Um, I just threw up one from uh, a day at Ravislow Country Club that seems to be very popular and people seem to really enjoy. So if you haven't gone and watched that, I'll put that in the show notes too. But otherwise, everybody prepare themselves once again to walk on some sunshine. Let's close it out. Katrina and the Waves. The, uh, the 1983 smash hit. By the way, that song has made that band almost a million dollars a year for the past 10 years. Just on rights and in movies. Um, one of my favorite scenes with, that, with this song is in uh, High Fidelity when Jack Black is dancing around the record store. If you haven't watched that movie, go see it. Um, okay, that's it. I'll talk to everybody next week.